Wait, give me the call letters and work it. KCOU 88.1. Okay. Hey, this is Bob from Best Coast, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1. KCOU Columbia, 88 and 110th Reasons to Listen. Uh, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luca Vitale, and alongside me, we got my co-host, Ron Walterman, and we got Kyle Joe. Jones joining the show today. Um, well, before we get rolling, uh, first things first is some news on Mizzou sports. Uh, Mizzou women's basketball, they fell to the number 22 uh, seed in Georgia, 82-64 on Sunday afternoon at the Mizzou Arena. Uh, the Tigers did hold a six-point lead after the first quarter, and they were tied at halftime, but they were only to, they were only able to muster 29 second-half points while giving up 47 to Georgia. Um, in the women's basketball, they look to snap their two-game losing streak as they go up against the number 5th Texas A&M tomorrow night. And that game action will start at 7 o'clock. Uh, then we have Mizzou men's basketball. Their losing skid now hits three as they lost to the Georgia Bulldogs 80-70 to last night. And as they hope to end this losing streak when they head to South Carolina to battle against the South Carolina Gamecocks, along with getting Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Tillman back. And that game action will start 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. All right, let's start with Mizzou men's basketball today. Um, obviously, last night we saw that they lost again uh, to Georgia 80-70. to The losing skid hits three, only scored 33 second-half points while giving up 47. And a quote from uh, Coach Conzo Martin after the game, uh, quote, you put yourself in a position to win it on the road. You've got to find a way to win it, end quote. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you here. Um, what's going on with Mizzou? Yeah, no, thanks, Luca. Um, you know, I want to be that guy that uses the Jeremiah Tillman's gone excuse, but that's just not what it is. I mean, we can use that one against Arkansas, but there's no way we can use that one against Georgia. I mean, Georgia has some t- tall guys, and we also had some. T- uh, Mizzou also had some tall guys as well, but it was just the lack of really no one really coming in ready to play besides Kobe Brown and a little bit of Drew Smith and even Mark Smith. But the team didn't seem like they were ready to play at all. Up 37 to 33, I believe, at halftime, but the second half they just fell apart and that's just something that Mizzou has kind of it's been the story of Mizzou this year they're basically only a one half team and you don't know what half you're going to get you're either going to get the first half or the second half but they can just never play a full game and that's really what's kind of been hurting them in this I think four four game skid now I believe what it is and it's just three games skid my bad and yeah help having Jeremiah Tillman back uh, Saturday is definitely going to help them out but they just need to be getting ready to play when the tip-off starts yeah, absolutely right. Let's just start with the fact that Mizzou was ranked last week at number 10. This week, they came in losing to both Ole Miss and I'm forgetting the other one here. Um, Arkansas? Thank you. Arkansas. Arkansas. Thank you. Sometimes it's hard to remember all this stuff. But um, they dropped to 20th and they're entering Monday. Okay. And they lost last night. So if we predict. What's going on with AP right now? It's almost thinking like Mizzou is at 25 right now, or they are out of the picture. So let's think about this. Last week, entering action, they were the second best team in the SEC, only behind Alabama. Now, in front of them is Mississippi themselves, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, and Arkansas. So this this drop off, this collapse, is very alarming to all Mizzou fans 
alarming to Conzo Martinist squad, I would imagine. Um, but watching this Mizzou team at times, it could be very exhausting for some people, right? We saw what happened to them against both Ole Miss, which I don't think anyone really showed up. And Conzo Martin, he even said in his own words that they didn't even they didn't look like they wanted to play. And then, obviously, that overtime loss to Arkansas last Saturday. So, yes, you don't you don't have Jeremiah Tillman. I get that. But the problem is you have to be able, as a collegiate basketball team, to overcome adversity. Does this team have it? I don't know. Obviously, Jeremiah Tillman, he had a family member pass away. We wish him nothing but the best. And we hope he had, we have him back on Sunday, or Saturday, rather. But, obviously, when you are missing a big player like Jeremiah Tillman who has a lot of impact on the floor it's hard I get that but you cannot be making excuses saying well he's gone we can't win all this stuff but another player I've said this a thousand times on the airwaves Mark Smith there is something that has got to be said about that when you have Mark Smith who finished 0 for 8 from the floor at 0 for 5 from three-point range against uh, Arkansas that has got to be limited, okay? If, if Mark Smith is not able to play starter minutes and he's not playing well, you have got to find a substitution, in my opinion. Yeah, no, Mark Smith, um, th- his production, his, uh, his quality needs to be addressed because it's not there. Um, frankly, I think he needs to be benched for Torrance Watson. I think that is the correct... That is the correct route because right now it's a cold spell. He's had he's had great spells in his career before. He really has, but for the past few games, he has been a fish out of water. And especially with Tillman gone, you cannot have that. You've got to have guys on that starting five who are actually going to show up, play their minutes, and get their points. And right now, Mark Smith's not really doing that. Torrance Watson deserves a chance to do that. And hey, if Torrance Watson comes out and he balls out and he, you know, scores a bunch, it looks real good, keep him in that starting five. Mark Smith's done a great job for this team over his tenure here at Mizzou. But if Torrance Watson proves he's the better player, which I have a feeling he might, put in Torrance, man. You know? Lean Absolutely. on lean on your scores. Now Absolutely. it's it's very clear, without a shadow of a doubt that this team needs Jeremiah Tillman to survive. Clearly, without a Tillman on this squad, this team does not have what it takes to even make the tournament, much less make it past game one. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in their next game. Um, I don't know if we're going to have Tillman. I don't know if if Tillman's going to play or not. Um, But if Missouri can get Tillman back on the court... Good for them. It is at the point, and I said this on I said this on my show, Triple Threat, last week after the loss to Ole Miss. I said Missouri is at the point where they have to win out, or it is a disappointment. That is a testament to how good of a team they are this year. Because the the fact that the fact that we're even saying, you know, they we expect them to win out, or it's going to be a disappointment, is a testament to their quality. But they are at a point where losing another game is frankly unacceptable. Absolutely, Kyle. I mean, you. I think you hit it right on the nose right there. I mean, this is the same team 
that beat Tennessee. They looked like world stoppers out there. They did when they were at Tennessee. But then you see what happened against Ole Miss. It looks like they looked like a team that didn't even belong in the top 25. But let me say this. Mizzou last night, they gave up 41 points in 13 minutes and 15 seconds. Now, can that be because Georgia played a good game? Sure. But I think it more says about Mizzou here because Mizzou is known for its defense, as its specialty. But last night, they only shot 43% from the field in 23% from three-point range. When you take 26 three-pointers in a game, that has, that's, that's got to be said about something. 26 three-pointers. Well, Georgia only took 15 and made seven of them. So yeah. that says a lot about Georgia's skill of play, and that says a lot about Mizzou's play. Yeah, They play very different. We know, but Pinson, on the other hand, he's also a very streaky player. We have said this over and over again. One night, he's going to drop 25. The next night, what he did last night, he dropped 11 only on 4-13 shooting and one from seven from downtown. Yeah, you mentioned defense. And before we move on, because you know, there's, there's a lot we got to talk about today, but you know, before we move on, I want to I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, before the past three games, before the past three games, Missouri had only given up 80 points twice. There was once in the loss to Auburn um, where they lost 88-82, and that was in Auburn. And then in the overtime win against TCU, which I mean, I barely count. I barely count giving up eighty in in that game. That game was off the darn rails, and they won, right? So before before the last three games, Missouri had only given up eighty points twice. In the last three games, they have given up eighty. 86 and then 80 again. So clearly, you are correct. The defense that Missouri has prided themselves on all season, something happened, and maybe it's Tillman. Maybe we maybe we're doubting Tillman's defensive prowess, but something defensively has switched off on this team. I don't think it's about a doubting uh, Tillman's prowess here. I think it says more about what Mizzou can do in terms of missing a key player like Tillman. Can they overcome adversity? In the last two games, the answer is no. They don't look the same team as they used to. Now, I don't know if that's just Tillman himself or if that has to do with the fact of just them collapsing at the wrong time in the wrong place. It could be one thing or the other. I'm not sure. But let's head to the NBA here. Um, Heading into this week, the Utah Jazz, that's right, the Utah Jazz are ranked the number one Best team in ESPN's NBA power rankings. The Jazz right now, they own an NBA best 23-5 record, along with 17 double-digit wins during this current 19-1 run that they possess. So Monday night, they defeated the Philadelphia 76ers, 134-123 at home. And tonight, they're going to hit the road to take on the LA Clippers. So Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. Should the Lakers be worried about the Utah Jazz? No, I honestly don't think they should be. Yes, the Jazz are having a great run, and I think they've cemented themselves as a playoff team, and they'll be you know, they'll be a contender in the West this year. But regular season basketball is so different from playoff basketball, and we've seen it, man. We've we've seen the Lakers not play very well. Specifically, we've seen LeBron teams not play very well in the regular season and then go into, you know, go into the playoffs and absolutely eat teams alive. I know Anthony Davis has been dealing with injury problems, so this is a Lakers team that's 22 and 7 and not even at full strength. I mean, yes, the Jazz are the Jazz are a great team this year. Um but they only have one more win than Los Angeles, and that is a that is a battleship team that is not even at full capacity yet. You know, 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, Kyle. As much as I want to say they should be worried, uh, Los Angeles has been in the playoffs before. They're a better playoff team than Utah is. Utah is getting hot, and that's good because it's regular season, so they want to obviously make the playoffs. And Utah has the Lakers coming up here shortly, and we all know that the Lakers are going to be without Anthony Davis that game. So it's not really going to be much of a testament to see how well the Lakers uh, should was, shouldn't be a testament to see how bad the Lakers play because they don't have Anthony Davis. So if Utah Jazz wins, cool for them because the Lakers aren't going to have Anthony Davis. So I agree with what you're saying with th- they shouldn't be worried, and honestly, I don't think they should be. Utah is off to a hot start, and it's good for them, but I just I don't know if it's going to be able to continue in the playoffs. Well, this hot start that you guys are talking about, I just want to rank it. Very, I just want to give you guys some rankings here. So right now, they are the fourth best team offensively, and then the third best team defensively. And I'm going to give all the credit in the world to Qu- uh, Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz's coach. They, he has done a great job this year. But unfortunately, I don't think the Lakers have anything to worry about here. And I'm going to tell you guys why. So if we take Anthony Davis's health or any player's health, as a matter of fact, out of the equation, right? Because we know Anthony Davis is going to be out at least two to three weeks with that Achilles thing. And I don't like how the wording that they're saying this because it sounds exactly like what they did with Kevin Durant. We saw what happened with him. But out of that range, Anthony Davis, when we when the playoffs start, okay, if he is 180 to 100% healthy, I'll say, the Lakers will they will beat the Jazz, okay? If he is compromised in any way or out, the Jazz could beat this team. I know they could. But both teams at even strength, we look at the depth of each team, right? Utah, they got a lot of good players that I feel like have just fallen under the radar. And I think that one player that everyone should be aware of is Donovan Mitchell, okay? This guy is sensational to watch. He's a stud, okay? Averaging 24 points a game on 43% shooting and 40% from downtown. Okay? And then you got other players on this team, such as Rudy Gobert, probably defensive player of the year. The guy's averaging three blocks right now and about, I would say, 10 re- uh, 13 rebounds. I'm sorry, 13 rebounds. You got someone like Mike Conley, who's actually starting to revitalize his career a little bit. He's having an outstanding season thus far, averaging 17 a game, but he's been hurt the last couple of games, so we see what we'll get from him. But another player that has really fallen under the radar, in my opinion, for this Jazz squad, I want to give him some credit, is Jordan Clarkson. M-I-Z. Yes, exactly. Good point, Kyle. Um, This guy has been box office so far, okay? He's averaging 18 a game, okay, and shooting 46% from the field. No one really knows Jordan Clarkson because, unfortunately, when you're playing on a team that's not really covered by the media a lot, you're most likely not going to get your name out there. But that's okay. But let's talk about the Lakers here. They got a ton of death on this team, okay? Aside from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, we know these two are going to carry the team to the promised land. We know that. But remember, they got Dennis Schroeder, okay? This guy can play. He's an established point guard. He can distribute the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can he can find guys wide open. You got Kyle Kuzma. This guy can shoot. You got Marquise Moore or Montrell's Harrell. I'm sorry. He's a great center. So all these pieces. And then you got jet. You got the Jazz. I simply just do not trust anyone on the Jazz in the long run. I do not. I feel like they'll dip in the last quarter of this, uh, this season. Yeah, no, I think that that long run is exactly the the thing to look at here. You know, all love to Jordan Clarkson, man. Mizzou made. I think I think everyone here at at the University of Missouri is going to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he ain't LeBron, man. He ain't AD. Yeah, he's he's not even Lonzo Ball. Well, let me let me point something out for you, right? We know Rudy Gobert. 
This guy is a showstopper, okay? He is a defensive player of the year candidate about every single year. But while he can prevent a lot of shooters getting their basket, there's one player I don't think he can stop from getting in the interior, and that would be Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't see that. I personally do not see him stopping LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Other play, other players, like we can put a Kawhi Leonard in there, a Paul George. Yeah, I think he could, but the Lakers, no, I don't see it. Yeah, no, and I like Rudy Gobert. Like you said, he's a great player, but I think Davis would be too much to handle, let alone James as well. And that's the thing. Like, it's going to be exciting in the next, I think they actually play here in the next couple of weeks. They're not going to have Davis. So it'll be exciting to see how Gobert does for the Jazz. But it won't really be anything special because when they play again, or if they even do play again or in the playoffs, it's going to be Anthony Davis basically manhandling him. And I like Rudy Gobert. He's a great player. And like you said, he can stop a lot of other players in this league. But just Anthony Davis, let alone with LeBron James. And even they have outside shooters as well. And that's, that's just too much for Utah. Yeah, I mean, heck, they even have Kyle Kuzma, man. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think I, I, I mentioned Kyle Kuzma. You did? Okay, I did. I did mention. Kyle okay, Kuzma. I, I, I didn't think I'd heard you mention Kyle Kuzma. So yeah, I got to give credit where credits due. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But I'm gonna say another thing. We remember this team before Anthony Davis came onto the Lakers. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I am curious about, because LeBron is not getting any younger. He's a great player. He's a he's he's basically healthy a lot of the time. We've seen it. The question that I have is. Can he sustain his greatness while having the, the majority of the load, the workload on his back? Because Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they split it. Except LeBron James, you cannot expect this man to do it for the rest of the season and then into the playoffs. That just, it cannot happen. Honestly, I, I think I think that LeBron James is an ageless wonder. I don't. I, I think I think I, th- I think it was Anthony Davis who said it recently, or it might have been it might have been Paul Pierce or something. <laughs> said like, fa- fa- the the legend of Father Time has been proven wrong because of this man. I agree with that. He's he's you know, we all thought Brady was gonna you know suffer the effects of time, and he has, but he still won a freaking Super Bowl. You know. I think LeBron is in a very same situation. Everyone thinks he's going to suffer the effects of time. And, I mean, he has in a sense, but the man is still LeBron James, man. Absolutely. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I mean, we know LeBron James, but he is a star, okay? But anyway, we're going to head to break, everyone. And when we come back from break, we're going to revitalize a little segment that we used to do for the NFL season. You'll have to find out when we come right back from break. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Okay, well, I hope you guys are all ready because we're going to flash back to the NFL season and we're going to get ready for not Luca's legendary NFL list, but ready for Luca's legendary NBA list. So, Luca, you take the floor from here, man. All right, thank you so much. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but I think it's time to do that. So we are about nine weeks into the NBA season, but my number five team for the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers. Why? 
Obviously, they have one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. you got Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, playing some of the best defense of their careers. However, that notion was not true when they went up against the Trailblazers, Suns, and the Jazz, which they gave up over 120 points for each game. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, he's obviously having a career year. He can even be the MVP this year. He's averaging about 30 points a game, shooting 54% from the field, 40% from downtown. He is hurt right now, but we shall see when he will return. And we understand that this team is the best shooting mid-range from 49%. Obviously, their three-point volume is just atrocious, but that is all right. They're a top-five team in the NBA. Let's go to number four, the Phoenix Suns. Monty Williams, uh, this guy has done one hell of a job since coaching the bubble, okay? One of the best Western Conference teams I talked about earlier in the season, what Paul George has on a team is influence. We have seen that. We have it's, it's been displayed. We've also seen Miguel Bridges and Dario Saric play some of the best defense that we have seen in their careers. Currently on a six-game winning streak, have won, or I'm sorry, they lost last night to Brooklyn, but they have won at nine or eight of their last ten games. They've scored 126 points per 100 possessions over the, their wins over the Bucks and Sixers, both very good teams. CP3 and Devin Booker, oh man, have they been a lethal duo on the floor together. But they are definitely a top-five team. Let's go to number three, the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, Paul George has missed the last five games. Kawhi Leonard along with Patrick Beverly, they have been sidelined with various injuries, but... They are a top-five team because, obviously, Tyron Lue has been on one hell of a job coaching there, but i got to give some props to Lue Williams, okay? The last six games, this guy has stepped up big time, averaging 22 points and shooting 66% from the field in those three games. Got to give Lue some credit there. Obviously, one of the best offenses in the league with the star power of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Lue Williams, and Serge Ibaka. We've seen what they can do and what they're capable of. Let's go to number two on the list, the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, there have been concerns for Anthony Davis and his health. He's out for at least two to three weeks to that Achilles injury. They're obviously one of the best defensive teams in the league, but without Davis, their defense will suffer a little bit. Obviously, they suffered against the Bulls, Pistons, and Cavs when they when they were missing Anthony Davis. That was not fun to watch, but Davis is that guy on that team that LeBron has for his duo. We know LeBron can carry this team, but the question is how much and how long but we need to see Dennis Schroeder step up, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, Montrez Harrell. All those guys need to set up, but they are definitely a top five team in the, in the league. Let's go to number one, and the number one team, obviously, in the, in the NBA is the Utah Jazz. Okay, they have been unstoppable, okay? They are on a big winning streak, 19-1 stretch. I mean, yes, they've beaten a lot of teams under 500, but they are getting wins. They've gotten quality wins. They beat the 76ers on Monday. Mike Conley's playing a very good basketball right now. you got Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, their three-point shooting has dipped the last week, but they definitely hold a top-four offense in the league along with that top-three defense in the league. They are able to hold shooters from the getting in the interior and Roto Gobert, and they're definitely able to stop people shooting from three-pointers. Ryan, the floor is yours. Okay, Colin, first I'm going to just uh, tell you this is kind of how this works. So we will either agree or disagree with Luca. You can even put in your uh, old, your, your different teams if you want to. But I am going to agree with his first top two, his five and four, his 76ers and Suns. 76ers on a skid right now with a three-game losing streak, but they're still one heck of a team. They're a really good team, and they uh, they should win their next battle, which they do face um, the Rockets tonight. So that should be a win for them. They should get out of that streak. And then obviously you have the Suns, and the Suns, 
fans. I actually talked about this uh, on No Filter today with uh, my good friend Joe Miller. And that's just a team that deserves a top five spot, but it's just a team that they they lost to the Nets last night, one twenty eight to one twenty four, and they basically had that game won the whole game. They just it's a team that just really couldn't finish in the clutch, and that's kind of what happened when James Harden showed up and just completely to kind of just demolish the Suns there in those last minutes. So the Suns definitely a top five team. And then the Clippers and Lakers, I like having both the L.A. teams in here because obviously they are the two and three spots right now in the Western Conference. And I do think that, honestly, the Clippers are a good spot for that third spot right there. And the Lakers go right behind them, mainly because LeBron James really just helps out the Lakers there. Losing Anthony Davis really hurts. Um, but that's definitely a spot that they need to be in. And tonight it will be exciting to see if the Clippers do are deserving of that third spot because they face the Jazz tonight. So it will be fun to see what happens there. And then the Jazz, obviously, Lucas said it, Kyle said it, we all said it here. They are the number one team in the NBA. There's not much really debate there. Yeah, so here's my deal. Um, I agree with a very good portion of your list, Luca. My My one kind of debatable is uh, right at the bottom there, um, You know, your four and five slot. Um, I think, um, I think that putting the Suns in it for, while, while yes, I do believe the Suns have had a, have had a great year and they are turning things around. I, frankly, I didn't expect them to be fifth in the Western conference, um, at any point, but certainly not now. Um, I still think that that's doing the Brooklyn Nets a little bit hard. Um, I, I know, yeah, I think they might even, you might even be able to consider their 18 12 record even slightly underwhelming. But for me, at this point in the year, it's very hard to keep that squad off the top five in the league. Well, I gotta, I gotta refute that. Does Brooklyn play defense? Do you need to play defense when you have KD, James Harden, and Kyrie? Okay, uh, but when the game slows down in the playoffs, they sure do need to play hang defense. On, hang on, let me hop in real quick. I just want to say that the, the only games played with KD, Irving, and Harden has only been seven. So I got to agree with Luca here. You, they kind of need defense. They haven't been able to use all three every game so far. They're still first in the league in points per game. Oh, I understand that. I mean, you got three stars along with Joe Harris. I mean, I've seen what they do. But when it comes to playoff time, I don't think that they could beat anyone right now on this, uh, maybe the 76ers, but anyone on this list right now from 4 to 1, I don't see them beating any of those teams. I mean, they, 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 just, beat, they just beat Phoenix. That's my, that's my one deal. And Barely. I, I, yes, but, but they still won, and, and the way they won was by outscoring, which is the James Harden style of play. The Rockets never played defense, you know? Yeah, we knew that. I mean, I, I mean Mike D'Antoni's not the defensive uh, coach for them, and when did Mike D'Antoni ever emphasize defense in Houston? I don't exactly. Think, I don't think he he, ever he did that. not. As, as someone who grew up watching Rockets, Rockets basketball, I can confirm, uh, n- not, a, not a defense was ever played. Yeah. Um, but no, I just that that's my that's my one my one kind of my one kind of thing is I think put the Sixers at four and the Nets at five. That's my that's my only my only little disagreement. Okay, but there was one team I wish I could put on this list, but I simply just couldn't do it. It was Portland. See, that's another. I was like, mm, man, like Portland, Portland and Phoenix have quite literally identical records. Right I know now. it was tough, but I mean, don't worry, they are they are not like, oh man, they're bad. No, it was just a hard pick. That's all. All right, but anyway, we're gonna go to the NFL now. There has been a lot of news lately, and obviously Kyle here, what used to be a Houston Texans fans, but. Now, J.J. Watt has been released from the team. And let's just keep this in mind. This guy was not traded for anything. He was granted a release. 
<clears throat> excuse me, the pass rusher and a former three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner and five-time first-team All-Pro was released from the Texans last Friday, and it was granted, obviously, and his 101 sacks since entering the league since two, in 2011 is second to Von Miller's 106 during that span. Um, Kyle, because you're the former Texan fan here, I want to ask you this question first. What is the best team fit for J.J. Watt? Um, so there's obviously two, there's two names floating around right now. And I think they're, I think those two are, are the best fits. It's either he returns home to the Green Bay Packers or he, he links up with his family in Pittsburgh. I think the best fit for him is Pittsburgh. And here's why I say it. This is a team who had they not collapsed, you know, in an embarrassing fashion down the stretch, um, looked to be prime contenders for a Super Bowl berth out of the AFC. Now, would they have beaten now, would, would they have beaten the Chiefs in the AFC Championship? Yeah, no, I don't think so. But at the same time, they, they were they were, you know, before that big collapse, they they were looking like it, you know? That's that's the one big one. I think it, I think Pittsburgh's the better fit, but also I understand why Green Bay also works, right? They were just as close. They were even closer to the Super Bowl than Pittsburgh. They were, you know, one dumb call by Matt LaFleur away, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to take this a different direction, <clears throat> a team that he has not been linked to. He's been obviously linked to the Bears because obviously his wife plays for the soccer team there. Yes. Obviously because of the Packers, because he played, he was born in Wisconsin. Obviously he's linked and all that good stuff. And then Pittsburgh, obviously because family, TJ Watt, we get that. But he's, also, he's also been linked recently with the Browns. And the Browns, that's a good one. But I heard that because of Miles Garrett. He, the, well, those not, two would be. So, so apparently it's because they have two things that he likes, money and Super Bowl potential. <laughs> All right. I okay, I see that, but actually this team I'm about to say also has Super Bowl potential. I mean, they barely lost, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to say Buffalo because let's just think about this right now. Josh Allen, I have never seen a quarterback ascend from one season to the next the way he did. Last season, he passed seven, he completed about 70% of his passes. The season before was 58% of his passes. So obviously you could put Stephon Diggs in there being an influential factor, but it's not just him that did that. It was Josh Allen, too. The last time I checked, he throws the football. But let's see. Uh, Watt is almost 32 years old, so he still has time left. This guy wants a ring, so obviously he wants to go to a team that can win the entire thing. Now, obviously, you already told us about the uh, teams that are favored and all that good stuff, but I do want to mention the fact that every season that TJ, uh, JJ, excuse me, JJ Watt has qualified for a top ten player at his position, he has actually qualified. So let's be very specific of that too. But obviously, Buffalo's biggest issue in the championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, they could not get after Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, offense they were not that great either, but it was a closer game than it actually looked. But they could not get after Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and that's where Watt would come in. He would rush off the edge. The defender has 101 career sacks and 282 uh, quarterback hits in his career, so he can definitely cause some damage. Okay, 
despite only having nine sacks less uh, the past two seasons, we know the Houston Texans have been just garbage. We know that. But Watts has been one of the best defenders in the league, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. Let's be very specific about that. But the Bills do have a lot of decent pieces on that defense. You got Josh Norman at the quarter, uh, the cornerback position. You got uh, Matt Milano, his ability to get to the quarterback. Davis White. Jordan Poyer, you got uh, Makai Hyde in the secondary, Traymond Edmonds. All these guys are very capable of getting to the quarterback. However, J.J. Watt will only be another factor to get this team to the promised land. They almost got to the Super Bowl. So think about it. J.J. Watt on this team, he's a model citizen, okay? He's the type of player that the GM and Sean McDermott are looking for on and off the field. And simply put, that he fits the process, in my opinion. Yeah, no, here's, I, here's some before, before I'll, I'll let you go, but before um, before we go any further, there's a little bit of semi breaking news that might uh, influence our decisions here. Did he sign? No, he did not. But another big defensive name is apparently on the move. Reports coming out of Denver: the Broncos are likely to decline Von Miller's option. Hmm. Interesting. Which would make him a free agent. Right, and that would change up a lot of things. But just to get back to the J.J. Watt thing, I like where you went, Luke, and obviously I like where Kyle's going, but when I think of what team to J.J. Watt go to, it's just simple for me. It's what team is close to a Super Bowl, because that's what J.J. Want, Watt wants to do. He wants to help out someone get to a Super Bowl. It's like Kyle said, he the money, and he wants Super Bowl contending. And when I think of teams, obviously I think of my, like my Green Bay Packers, my beloved Green Bay Packers, who have in have had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre in a total of two Super Bowl rings, and that's just that's crazy. So I could see J.J. Watt wanting to go there, obviously be with his home and everything. But the team that really just sticks out to me is got to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. It makes the most sense. His brother plays on the team, and it's just I think his it would be kind of like a home reunion, a family reunion, so to speak, as much as. I, that would just help them out so much. And, you know, I don't think they would have that collapse that they did this year if he was on that team. And obviously we know what the Steelers can do. Uh, they lost to the Browns, which was really unfortunate. But just picture this. Cleveland Browns versus Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Steelers have J.J. Watt. I don't think the Browns going to win that game. I do have a question for both of you. Obviously, Pittsburgh has one of the best defenses, right? We understand that. I mean, obviously, they didn't have a Spillane. They didn't have... Uh, uh, Dupree, they didn't have those guys, right? They got hurt and all that stuff. But I do have a question for you guys. Is Pittsburgh closer to a Super Bowl ring or is Buffalo? Honestly, with the way things are trending, I say Buffalo. Right, that's what I'm thinking with this question. And, and, and that's and that's honestly, I mean, you, you bring that up and I do agree. My, my one thing is like, Buffalo is certainly trending, right? The addition of J.J. Watt I think kind of puts the Berg and Buffalo on semi-even footing when it comes to how close they are. And of course, they still both have to go through the the semi-unbreakable wall, which is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, are either of them really close? Because they still have to get through the Chiefs. And yes, I know the Chiefs got completely outclassed in the Super Bowl, but they are still the Chiefs. That team is still very, very good. Yeah, we got to keep that into consideration as well. But and, and, and that, and now that we're bringing that up, that might be a, a factor in JJ going to the Packers or heck, even the Bears, because that's NFC, man. He has to get through 
a Tom Brady who is proven to be a lot more vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. yes, he won the Super Bowl, but that Super Bowl came at the cost of quite a few losses during the regular season. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, let's let's look at this in a different perspective. I'm looking at Pittsburgh right now. Offensively, do we know what they're doing at quarterback? Because I'm looking like, is Big Ben going to come back? Are they going to draft the quarterback? Are they going to use Dobbs? Are they going to use Rudolph? We don't know what's going on. Also, the, ma- the matter of fact of an absent running game. They don't. James Conner is not really what he used to be. That offensive line is aging. So when you look at it from that perspective, and then you look at Buffalo, you see that Buffalo is actually a lot closer than Pittsburgh, in my opinion. But obviously, Kyle, your point with the NFC, if he goes to the NFC to a Green Bay Packers or to even a Saints team or to a Bucks team, whatever you want to say. Obviously, the Bucks are not going to be reasonable in this category. But if he goes to a Packers team, I could totally see Green Bay going to the NFC Championship again and maybe even the Super Bowl. I could definitely see that. But if he goes to the Bears, I mean, unfor- I mean, I understand his wife plays for the soccer team in Chicago. I understand that. But at the same time, if you're chasing a ring, Yes. The Chicago Bears are not your destination choice right now. That is correct. If he's chasing a ring, which it seems like he is, and he deserves a ring, so I, Absolutely. I, I can't fault him for it, the Packers are the destination. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan, do you have anything else to add? And then we will move on. No, but I'm definitely excited to see what team he'll choose and if he'll choose uh, shortly here. But I think it's going to be a while until he decides to make his decision. All right, well, let's go. We're going to continue with more football analysis here. Um. The Indianapolis Colts, they do not have a starting quarterback for next season yet. Obviously, we saw Phillip Rivers retiring, and the Colts have been linked to trading for Carson Wentz this offseason. They finished 11-5 and last season, second AFC South. They did lose to Buffalo in that wild card game. So, Ryan, let me start with you here. Who's going to start at quarterback for week one for the Colts? You know, it's it's really hard question because I don't know if the Colts are going to get someone in the draft or what they're going to do, if they're going to pull out Wentz. But if none of that happens and they have to stick with one of the three quarterbacks they have now, I think the, the solid choice would be Jacoby Bissett only because he has had that NFL experience. And I feel like he deserves a second chance. I feel like he's still a good quarterback and he can help out that Colts team. And, you know, if worse, if push comes to shove, he starts doing bad, then maybe throw in another backup or maybe try to get a trade. But I don't think the Carson Wentz thing's going to happen, so maybe look for Jacoby Brissett or maybe another one of their quarterbacks, but my guess would be Jacoby Brissett and give him another chance. Well, obviously, we'll be talking about Carson Wentz in a little while, but if I'm looking at this team right now, obviously, they got nobody playing right now. They got a very good offensive line. We saw it last season, the way it protected Phillip Rivers, and we know Phillip Rivers is a stationary target, but I feel like what you just said is my answer. The quarterback is already in the system, and that's Jacoby Brissett. This guy only had eight passes last season simply because it was Phillip Rivers' team. We knew that. But let's look in 2019 when he played 15 games. He had a record of 7-8. and eight. Not bad. Completed about 61% of his passes, about 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. I don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. It's not great, but it's pretty decent, in my opinion, to be a starting quarterback in this league. In fact, he reminds me a little bit about Jalen Hurts because his ability to escape the pocket and scramble, extend plays, his ability, his mobility, exactly, he's got wheels on that guy, okay? He had 20, uh, 228 rushing yards in 2019, okay? He obviously knows the system. Frank Wright is a great coach, great uh, call, uh, play caller, so just give the guy a chance. Yeah, I think Jacoby Brissett definitely deserves a chance. Um, I think in the little itty bit that we saw of him, because you're, you're, you know you mentioned he didn't get too much playing time, 
um, last season. But in the bit that we saw of him, he looked like a serviceable quarterback. There was nothing wrong with him. I think you draft a quarterback, but you let that quarterback sit behind Jacoby Brissett for a year. And you don't draft till late, you know? Don't draft till, like, the third or fourth round. Maybe get, like, Mac Jones or something, you know? Um, alternatively, and I, I don't think this will happen, but um, there's a certain man who currently resides in the AFC South who I think uh, would very much like to stick it to a rival if the uh, it, if the Colts were bold. I don't think they are this bold. They would trade the draft house. I'm talking first round pick, second round pick, almost their entire draft stock this season for a man by the name of Deshaun Watson. You know, that is interesting. I've never heard his name being linked to the Colts. Obviously, we've seen the Jets, the Dolphins. Well, the reason he hasn't been linked is because the Texans are very adamant that they will not be trading Deshaun Watson. But they're dumb enough that if a good, <laughs> that if a pretty good offer gets put in, um, you know, Cal McNair, nay Jack Easterby, nay Nick Casario, um, might very well take a, uh, a deal that isn't very good for Deshaun simply because they don't know how football works. <laughs> I mean, to be, I'm going to link your uh, t- former Texans team to the Bears, okay? I thought the Bears... No, because the Bears aren't run by a corrupt youth pastor. We're not going to, I mean, we're not going to put that in here, but I, I just want to say, I thought the Bears were the worst team in football when it came to financial things and trades. I think I was wrong. I think the Houston Texans deserve that title now. Yes, you are, you are correct in that take. All right, well, we're going to head to break, everyone, and then when we come back, we're going to have our second take of Pass the Puck. We'll be right back in KCO 88.1 FM. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back, everyone, to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. Um, We're going to do our Pass the Puck segment in which we talk about our respective hockey teams. Obviously, the St. Louis Blues, that's Ryan's team. They just finished a seven-game series against the Arizona Coyotes. And obviously, it was Monday that they got shut out by the Coyotes, one to nothing. But Ryan, take it away. And that is courtesy of the NHL. Yeah, no, thank you, Luca. Uh, the Blues have been quite something uh, at the beginning of this season. Obviously, we still have Jordan Bennington. He's he's been playing very well. Uh, you know, six and two so far. Maybe I think he's seven and two. I'm sorry, seven and two so far. Uh, the Blues are nine and two. A backup goalie of Ville, uh, Ville Husso is not really the best for us right now. He hasn't really been able to step up in that spot as the Blues would have hoped him to be. Uh, if any Blues fans are out there, they do know that actually in 2019, Ville Husso was the guy, but he got injured and that made us call up Jordan 
Aiden Bennington, and everyone knows the story from there. He took the Blues to a cup, and that that's basically it. But uh, after last game, uh, Tory Krug, a newly acquired player, has gotten uh, injured with a lower back injury, and today I also saw that Colton Pareko was also out. So those are two big pieces for the Blues that's really going to hurt. Actually, our two starting defensemen, so I, it'll be exciting to see what the Blues do with that. Uh, overall, not a bad start to the season. Uh, unfortunately, it was kind of like a best-of-seven series against the Coyotes thanks to COVID, and of course the Coyotes took the best of us in a 4-3 to three series lead, uh, in a series win, I should say. But it was also really fun to face the Coyotes in seven games. It was kind of a little uh, just chaotic to be like, oh, who are we playing tonight? Oh, right, the Coyotes, because I don't know in any regular seasons that ever happened that we played a team seven straight games. But, you know, it was exciting, and that's what's going to happen with COVID. So we uh, the Blues have the Sharks up next. Should be a series that they should win. Uh, it, they've been quite exciting to watch this year, but then there's been games where it's like, what are you doing? Shoot the puck. I don't know what's going on with this team. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, uh, kind of a hot start, 9-2, and two, right behind the Golden Knights, who are 10-5. and five. And, yeah, man, the, the Blues have been, It's for me, it's been exciting, but then again, it's also been like, at some points, it's like, come on, guys, what are you doing? So that's my take for the Blues. I think they'll go out and win this next series against the Sharks, but it's the Blues, so we'll see what happens. All right, well, thank you, Ryan. Um, obviously, um, I am from Chicago, in which I am a Blackhawks fan, and the re- the recent success has been quite interesting. Um, Ryan was almost there to our highlight reel, and we will get started with the Chicago Blackhawks. Activating, cut in, dropped it a stroll. He threw it back to Han. Let's it go. He scores. Calvin Han, a rocket, beating Grice in the block. Courtesy of the NHL, right there. Um, so let's start with these Hawks here. I am quite impressed with this team. This team had it was ranked to be the third to worst team in the NHL this year, only above the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings. This team, the last time I checked, is 8-5-4 and and on a two-game winning streak. Okay, let's be very clear about this team. Let's be very clear about this team. So, they are 8-5-4 and currently, and I want to give credit where credit's due for some of these players on this team. I look at Malcolm Subban. Okay, Malcolm Subban. This guy has been quite the backup for this team. Malcolm Subban used to be in the Vegas Golden Knights. He was a backup for Marc-Andre Fleury. He was not good, okay? He owned a 500 record. He only had an 89% save percentage. But the, the, the times that he has started for the Hawks, regardless of the first one, which he gave a 5 to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the last couple of starts, he has been a quite impressive goalie, okay? He's flown under the radar and I respect his and I respect his passion for the sport and all that. Obviously, he's not given a lot of starts because let's see here, Kevin Lankinen. This guy has been something else. This guy was not expected to even be a starter this year. The Blackhawks were supposed to be the worst, almost the worst team in the NHL. We heard about that, but I gotta say, Kevin Lankinen is sure a he is a candidate right now for the Calder uh, Trophy right now. He is that good, okay, in my opinion. Um, and then you got Jeremy Colleton, the Hawks coach. He is easily a coach of the year candidate right now because this team is exceeding expectations. They're missing major contributions to this team. Jonathan Taze, we don't know when he's coming back. Kirby Doc is out for the year with the broken wrist. 
Alex Nylander, he's out for the year. And then you look at the COVID issues. Lucas Walmark has been out for a long time. Adam Boquist, one of our younger defensemen, he's been out for two weeks with COVID. And then you look at Alex DeBrinkett, he was out for some time with COVID. So you just look at what COVID has done combined with these injuries in ways that this team has found answers to win games. And I'm going to look at some of these rookies that the Hawks have because I have been quite impressed with a couple of them. And I think the first one that I'm going to bring to mind here is Brandon Hagel. Brandon Hagel, this guy is 22 years old, and he is exceeding expectations like there's no tomorrow. Okay, he is leading the charge. He's winning faceoffs. He's getting to the net. He's he's just has like a thousand assists already. I mean, this guy's insane. He has 15 hits, 11 blocks. In this guy, he has shown Patrick Laine that he is in charge after he beat him in a fight against Columbus. So we have seen it. Yes, he he's. I would give him an A minus right now. Along with we see that with the departure of Brandon Saad, that someone had to fill those shoes, and I think Brandon Hagel has done that. We see uh, other rookies such as Philip Kurashev. This guy is fantastic, okay? Six of the last eight games, he has tallied six points, okay? This guy can score. He can get to the net. He's screening goaltenders. Obviously, that uh, series against Columbus, he was not the best. But against Detroit, he has been, he's been there. He's been present. I've seen it from other players like Nicholas Bo- uh, Bodan. Obviously, with Adam Boquist out, we've needed Nicholas Bodan coming in, scoring. He scored already two goals. And this guy's a defensive player. Some of the best blocks I've seen. And I'm going to give one more player for the Hawks here. And I'm, that's, that's, that's going to be David, uh, David Kemp. This guy has been winning faceoffs. I sure hope the Hawks extend him because Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc ain't there. But he's winning about 56% of his faceoffs. That's pretty impressive. All right, so Kyle, you're obviously a guest on this show. Obviously, we didn't have your goal horn. I'm very apologize for that. But you're a Pittsburgh Penguins. Hold on, hold on. We have. Oh, we do. We have a horn. Okay. Is it party hard? I don't think it's party hard. That's okay. Yes, it's party hard. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They, they they switched to jump around recently. It's no longer actually party hard, which is very sad because party hard is the superior goal, goal horn. Um, but yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, need to make up their mind because some nights they look pretty darn good and other nights they look very, very bad. It's like Missou basketball. It's not fun. Um, you know, with, with, with the Pens, it's... Um, it's a lot of defensive issues, to be quite frank. Um, and, and specifically, um, you know, you look goaltending. Like you know, everyone likes to kind of you know knock the goaltender a lot. Um, if you actually look at Casey DeSmith and uh, Tristan Jari, save percentage uh, for DeSmith eight eight five for Tristan Jari eight seven five. Their save percentage is fine. Not ter- not great, but fine. But their goals against. For Casey Smith, 284, 2.84. For Tristan Jarrett, 3.74. There's a lot of goals being let in, frankly. The the defensive side of this team needs to really you know tighten up. They're also not getting a lot of offensive production, which is very weird for a team with Sidney Crosby. Crosby has five goals through 14 games. That is not like him. He needs to, you know, we, ex- we expect him to uh, to up the scoring more. Um, you know, he's he's on the same scoring level as Brian Rust and Jake Gensel. All three of them have five goals. It's fantastic to be a Penguins fan right now. Um, but no, I mean, it's right right now they are currently fifth 
in the East. The thing about that is they are only one win behind the Islanders in second, so it's a little bit deceiving uh, when it comes to, you know, where where they are in the standings. Um, but it's, it, another another infuriating part, and all you have to do is take one trip to any sort of Pittsburgh Penguins social media sphere, and you'll know that this is a a, a gripe held by the entirety of the fan base. Power play, man. The Penguins' power play is just god-awful. <laughs> I mean, it's just ugly. They they can't even score on a 5-on-3. That that happened a few games ago. They couldn't score on a 5-on-3. It's just a very... It's a team who you'd think, looking at the names of the list, Malkin, Gensel, Crosby, they usually do pretty good work. Even Teddy Bluger does some good work. Um, and they're just not. The scoring touch is is just not there for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their last game was against the Capitals. They lost 3-1. to The game before that, they did win 6-3. Um, but you know they'll have games where they'll look great. They'll beat a team by you know like six three against the Caps or five four against the Rangers, and then they'll go on stretches where they can't manage more than like a goal a game. And it's like, what what are we doing here? Kyle, I have a follow up question if you don't mind. I know we have to get to Costa Wednesday, but do you think that they're going to be a top four team to come out of the East and make the playoffs this year? Um, you know, honestly, top four out of the East, maybe. That's a big maybe. Um, I think they could potentially hop the Capitals. Both teams are in a very similar situation where they're just not living up to their usual expectations. Um, and you can see that in the records. You know, Pittsburgh 7-6-1, Capitals are 7-4-3. Um, the, one, the one thing that does give me pause when I say they'll be that top four spot is there is one team in the East that nobody talks about. They've played four less games than anyone else in, in the division, and that's the New Jersey Devils. They have a, they, they are in a spot right now where they could, you know, when they make up their games in hand, reach all the way up to second in the division. And they look good. They, they are a fun team to watch, the New Jersey Devils. They could very easily knock the Capitals and the Penguins out of this top four spot. You know, I think what's really surprised me about New Jersey, because I happen to catch a couple of highlights, is Mackenzie Blackwood. Yes. That, that guy is a very good goaltender. I, I expected the New Jersey Devils to definitely struggle after Corey Crawford decided to retire. I, we all know I love Corey Crawford, but that's not the point here. Um, what I, I want to ask Ryan something is, obviously the West seems to be the most difficult division. I mean, I, obviously you got Vegas, you got Colorado, Arizona's always hanging around there, but then you see Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, and Minnesota. So, Ryan, I do want to ask you this question because I think it's necessary. Do you think that the St. Louis Blues in a playoff series will beat the Colorado Avalanche? <laughs> question. I, I really thought you were going to be uh, going into the, oh, do you think the Blues will make it out of the top four? Yes, they will, but that's a better question for you. Um... Right now, yeah, if Avalanche players go on COVID list, but no, that, that Avalanche team's good. You saw what they did to us in the second game of the season. We beat them in our first game of the season. In the second game, they killed us 8 nothing. Or 8 nothing. sorry. Yeah, yeah, 8-4 to four or something. It was bad. I think it was 8 nothing actually. I think they scored 8. I don't know why I was thinking it was 8-4. But yeah, we lost 8 nothing. And if the Avalanche play like the best team they are, they, best, they have a power play that's unstoppable. Their team is really good. I want to say we can beat them in 7, but... 
I, I think it'd be tough. I think the Blues can beat them, yes, but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot. There's no sweep happening because we know both these teams will go back and forth. But yeah, I. To be honest with you, I think we'd get done seven. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in today for Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. Uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us today. If you wanted to uh, plug your show in really quick. Of course. I've actually got two. So uh, my first show I'll plug, um, three count here on KCOU. Literally don't turn off your radio and you'll hear it because it's right next. Uh, And then my other show, Triple Threat on KCOU here on Fridays from two or sorry from uh, noon to one definitely tune in we talk about sports we have fun you'll love you'll love it if you like this show very similar vibe um and so yeah there it is all right well everyone thanks for tuning in and we will see you next Wednesday and a matter of fact we'll see you around <laughs>